That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This is the Tom Hartman Program. So what do we do with a criminal ex-president? A man who's got, you know, over 20 credible allegations of rape and sexual assault against him. Any one of which could uh, turn into a criminal indictment. A guy who, who has, you know, multiple examples of what l- certainly looks like to a layperson criminal money laundering for foreign oligarchs and foreign drug lords and, and criminals. You know, people coming, coming to New York City with literally millions of dollars in suitcases to give them to Donald Trump and buy real estate, which is one of the, one of the most common ways that these guys launder their money. A guy who lied to the banks and to the Internal Revenue Service and to the state of New York about the values of his assets and his liabilities, inflating his assets for the banks, deflating them for the IRS in the state of New York. And this is called bank fraud and tax fraud. And that's all well documented. His niece is now suing him for, I don't know what you call it, inheritance fraud. You know, his father left an estate of, in today's dollars, about a billion dollars. I think it was around 500 or 600 million at the time. His father left an estate, actually, I'd probably be closer to 2 billion in today's dollars. His father left this huge estate. And Donald Trump, got in the middle of it. First of all, he, as his father was dying of Alzheimer's, he got his father to to, to sign a document that gave him basically control of the inheritance. And then he cut off his brother Fred's family. In order to get them to go along, in fact, they had a child who, a special needs child who had to have, I think he had muscular dystrophy. I could be wrong, but or maybe cystic fibrosis, needed breathing machines and things. And he said, Trump said, I'm just going to cut off all the money to you. Your kid is going to die if you don't sign this, this document. And in the process, he walked off with four or five hundred million dollars that he had, you know, basically squeezed out of his father's inheritance. But he did it in a way that avoided inheritance tax illegally. Not to mention the fact that as president, he was giving away national security information. God only knows what's going to come out on that end. And I realize he can't be held responsible for that because of sovereign immunity and all that kind of stuff. But if he continues doing that after he leaves the White House, if he continues, you know, if he sells information, and I I would call it selling information. He's getting $2 million a year from Turkey for the Trump Tower there. Erdogan actually went on the air on record and said, you know, if Trump doesn't do what we want in Syria, 
and let us attack the Kurds and kill a bunch of Kurds because, you know, we don't like the Kurds. If Trump won't let us kill the Kurds, who are the allies of the United States in, the, in both Afghanistan, and, but particularly in Iraq, and Iraq shares a border with Syria, Erdogan said, Trump, if you won't let us kill the Kurds, we're going to take away your $2 million a year from your hotel. And Trump said, okay, you got a deal. Take on the Kurds. Kill the Kurds. I don't care. Just keep that money flowing. Well, if Trump continues to basically give away information and mess in other countries and things like that after the presidency, there may be some criminal liability there, too. He's got Rudy Giuliani now asking for a pardon, and Giuliani hasn't even been indicted. You think these guys may know something like what they've been up to? Joe DeGeneva, one of Trump's Fox News lawyers, said that the former director of the intelligence agency responsible for making sure our elections are clean and safe, Chris Krebs, Trump fired him last week when he came out and publicly said, yes, this election was solid. There was no fraud. And DeGeneva went on TV and uh, he said that Krebs should be taken out at dawn and shot. He called for the death of this man. So Krebs is saying, you know, the way I look at it is we're a nation of laws and I take advantage. I plan to take advantage of those laws. I've got an exceptional team of lawyers that win in court and I think they're probably going to be busy. So now are others of Trump's lawyers going to be looking for pardons? Joe DeGeneva next? It's amazing. But I think that the real reason when you come right down to it, why Trump is denying that he lost the election. I think at first, the main reason was he wanted to stay in power so that he couldn't be prosecuted. It would give him another four years with Bill Barr to shield him. Now that that has evaporated, and there's really no chance that he's going to stay in the White House, he, he just raised $170 million. I keep telling you, I'm getting a half a dozen to a dozen emails literally every 24 hours from Donald Trump, from Don Jr., from, uh, I've never gotten one from Ivanka, but you know, from, I've gotten two of them from the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell, and they all point back to Trump's website, his fundraising website, and the majority of the money that goes into that is going into this brand new pack a leadership pack, which is a particular type of pack where you can be very, essentially unlimited in how you spend the money. Donald Trump just raised $170 million, telling people it was to fight for the election integrity, when in fact what it is, is to feather his nest and build his base for another grift where he can continue to extract money from these poor marks. That's what's going on. The Trump suckers are going to be fleeced for years. To the Tom Hartman program. There's this group called We the People Convention, which has been working toward getting a, uh, a new constitutional convention so they can rewrite the Constitution to be a truly fascist document. And they bought a full-page ad in the Washington Times urging Donald Trump to declare martial law, to lock down the country and put the army in charge. You get shot if you violate the law, right? The threat to our United States by the international and domestic socialist communist left is much more serious than anything Lincoln or our nation has faced in its history, including the Civil War. And then General Flynn retweeted it with and added a note, freedom never kneels except for God. 
So we've got Michael Flynn gets his pardon, and now he's calling for martial law. It's way beyond the pale. It is a violation of our freedom to have to wear a mask. But hey, if, uh, if we're going to suspend habeas corpus, which means that you can now be arrested for anything, you can be held anywhere in any jail or prison or military camp for as long as they want with no due process, uh, that's fine. Wearing masks, that's tyranny. These guys are nuts. Trump isn't just pardoning his criminal buddies. He might be profiting off it, too. The Justice Department is looking into bribery of Donald Trump. Uh, Apparently, an attempt has been made. The question is, you know, was Trump in on it? Was he enthusiastic about it? And uh, Jared Kushner and the White House and Trump have all been hit with a lawsuit from Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington that they preserve presidential records. They're saying already we have evidence of presidential records that by law need to be preserved that have already been destroyed. Pretty mind-boggling. Dennis in Aptos, California. Hey, Dennis, what's on your mind today? Yeah, I have a question for you, Tom, and it revolves around the more than likely fact that the state of New York is going to indict Donald Trump on Inauguration Day or the day after the inauguration. And he will probably be hightailing it down to Florida to Mar-a-Lago. And is there a way that Ron DeSantis could protect Trump from being extradited back to New York to face trial? I don't think so. But I'm not sure. I, you know, I'm not a lawyer and I've never had any personal involvement with extradition law. So, you know, whether individual states can refuse a lawful extradition order from another state. Actually, I think they can because it's happened before. I I recall this happening in the 80s or 90s and it was a big political issue. I, you know, Dennis, I don't know. That's, that's a really good question. I hadn't even considered that. I was thinking that, you know, He's probably going to go to Mar-a-Lago for the Christmas holidays. Right now, they're refurbishing a wing at Mar-a-Lago where he and his wife will have their separate bedrooms and and their son will come live with them. And that'll be done by Christmas. And so I figured, you know, at Christmas time, he's going to go down to Florida and he'll just never come back. You know, his new home is ready. And then I started thinking, you know, given what you're talking about, you know, Letitia James in New York's state is coming after him. Cy Vance in New York City is coming after him. And there, there may be a lot of others, not to mention all the federal charges. You know, he can't be indicted for violations of the Hatch Act, but people who work for him can. He might be indicted for, you know, spilling secrets. There's lots of possibilities. So therefore, I was suggesting that I think he's going to end up in Slovenia, or in Russia, or you know, some place where it's unlikely that they'll extradite him. He's going to pull a uh, an Ed Snowden. But your point is fascinating. What if he goes to Florida and Ron DeSantis says no to New York, and won't allow? Obviously, you know, you've got a Republican Attorney General down in Florida. Trump will be their local hero. Florida is going to become Trump land. I wonder if that's why Ron DeSantis is refusing to do any kind of a mask order. I wonder if that's like the subtext to it. A lot of possibilities here, Dennis. What do you think of all that? Well, I think you could be right, and it's very unfortunate. But someone told me about three years ago that Trump gets away with everything, and I, I would I would hope to prove to have her proved wrong at some point because he didn't get away with being impeached. Although you know he really didn't get hurt much by that, except maybe people did not vote for him because he wasn't impeached president. That could be possible. No, I don't think so. I think, uh, if yeah, anything, he, that might have helped him a little bit with his base. 
you know, it certainly helped Bill Clinton with his base. The, yeah, that's uh, true. You know, but he wasn't running. Like, you know, they took a shot at me and I survived. I'm the hero. That's that's his narrative. Yeah. Donald Trump, in a Twitter outburst, tweeted that Brian Kemp, the Republican governor of Georgia, must, quote, do something, end quote, to overturn the result of the election. He says, check signatures, count signed envelopes, call off the election because it won't be needed. Honest to God, the president of the United States, how far we have sunk. And he still has the support of the majority of Republicans in the House and Senate. It's mind-boggling. 87 million people could lose paid leave. Continue to get paid if you have to take a couple of weeks off because you've got COVID. 87 million people will lose paid leave as a result of CARES Act expiring at the end of this month. And Mitch McConnell, there have been several pieces of legislation passed out of the House that would have extended that, and Mitch McConnell has killed every single one. That's what Republicans do. If it doesn't help the fat cats, it ain't going to happen. Dennis from Aptos, California, had called in and was asking, if Trump goes to Florida and after he leaves office, Letitia James, the AG of New York, the very capable and outspoken, I mean, you know, she's just like right out there telling people what's going on. God bless her. Letitia James indicts him in New York for tax fraud or bank fraud or, you know, any of the money laundering. I mean, these are the things that most of the evidence has been in the press. You know, it's just kind of laying around on the ground. If she indicts him, could Florida Governor Ron DeSantis refuse to extradite him and just say, no, I'm not going to let you take Trump up to New York for a trial. Our attorney general here in Florida is not going to indict him for anything. He got a pardon. He pardoned himself of all federal crimes. He's completely bulletproof. And we are going to protect Mar-a-Lago. Will Ron DeSantis do that? Is that why he's refusing to do a mask mandate? Because he's sucking up to Trump and Trump's followers. I don't know. The other big uh, strategy that they've got, that Trump has, and an increasing number of Republicans, which is pretty breathtaking, is a pure dictator, pure fascist move which is ignore the results of the election and simply have the state legislatures say, we think Trump should be president. We're going to give him our electoral votes. Okay, that, that's been the strategy up until more or less now. And then when uh, Doug Ducey, the governor of Arizona, was basically signing and uh, announcing that that uh, they were certifying the vote in Arizona in favor of Joe Biden. His phone rang and it was Donald Trump and he, and he muted the phone and set it on the table. Nah, I'm not taking any calls from Trump right now. So that strategy kind of petered out because none of these state governors, none of these state legislatures so far have decided, yeah, we'll go along with that. And that's the problem that Trump has with the swing states because the swing states tend to be not as insane as states with, you know, like Texas with Greg Abbott or Florida with Ron DeSantis. Even Georgia. There's a right-wing group now that's running billboards against Loeffler and Purdue in Georgia. (laughs) Seriously. They didn't stand up for Trump. Don't stand up for them is what the billboard says. But there is one last stand he can make. 
And I think this is why Mitch McConnell has not acknowledged Joe Biden won the election. I think there are more fascists, more pro-dictator, anti-democracy Republicans in the Senate than we ever imagined. Only two or three Republican senators have acknowledged that Donald Trump lost the election. And the rest are just keeping silent. And that last chance is January 6th, 14 days before the president is sworn in. On December 14th, the Electoral College meets and says, okay, this is who we think is president. And then they give that to Congress. And then Congress meets on January 6th, which is three days after Congress is sworn in. This is a whole brand new Congress, which means David Perdue won't have a vote because he's in the middle of a runoff, or maybe it's Kelly Loeffler, for the appointed seat. And, you know, you've got a couple of Republican senators who've been out with COVID. I don't know how that's going to play out. But anyhow, on January 6th, they meet and they certify the vote. And that's when the president-elect actually officially becomes the president-elect because he has been recognized by Congress, both the House and the Senate. And in 2000 and in 2005 with the Ohio thing, in 2016 with the Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump election, Democrats in the House of Representatives rose and said, we object. We think that, you know, there were shenanigans going on in Ohio in 2004. We would like to see the details. We think something skinky was going on in 2016 in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. We want to know what the Russians were up to or whatever their shtick is. You know, they, they objected. And if they had had one senator, and they did actually in one case, they actually did get, you know, this is Maxine Waters in 2016. Is there one United States senator who will join me? She got no response. But there was a time, there was one time, this was uh, in 2005, when uh, Stephanie Tubbs Jones, Democrat from Ohio, stood up in the House, and Senator Barbara Boxer, Democrat from California, stood up in the Senate. And they said, wait a minute. We're not ready to certify. That pushes the House and Senate into a two-hour meeting. And out of that meeting, they've got to decide who's president. This is Trump's last Hail Mary. And I'm predicting that most of these Republicans, including uh, Mitch McConnell, will not acknowledge Joe Biden until after January 6th, which is really damaging this country. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity. And what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman.
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. You're listening to Tom Hartman. David in uh, Possum Kingdom Lake, Texas. Wow, what a name for a town. Hey, David, what's up? Hi, Tom. I've been wondering for a long time why nobody's brought up this thing, so I finally decided I had to do it. Trump declared a fake national emergency so he could steal money from the Defense Department to build his border wall, right? Right, all three miles of it, yep. Yeah, (laughs) enough to lie about it anyway. So now that we have a real national emergency, couldn't Biden declare a national emergency and take money from the Defense Department to pay to the medical people and the state governments and the people in general? That's a really good question, David. It it, uh, it makes sense, although uh, keep in mind, Trump is being sued by multiple parties right now about that transfer of funds, that $5 billion that he pulled out of the Pentagon budget. That was the money that was going to be used. That money was allocated, and it was going to be used to upgrade military housing. Um, we've yeah, got, I know, uh, I know all that. Obviously it, yeah. obviously, it needs to come from more wasted money that the Defense Department has that they shouldn't have anyway. Right. Take it out of the F-35 budget. <laughs> yeah, for example. It could also come from FEMA, and I, they don't, probably don't have that much money, but he could certainly yeah, use all of that. Right yeah. yeah, that's you a know, real good question, David. And, yeah. And I think, you know, we're just going to have to keep an eye on what happens at the moment is, is there any way for the average person to make their opinions known to the Biden transition team? And social media is it because these people don't have official websites yet. You know, they don't have phone numbers you can call them on, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's uh, probably worth tossing out into that. But great question, David. I'm sorry I don't have a, a clear answer for you, but uh, it's something we should all keep on our radar screen. Keep thinking. Michael in Reading, Pennsylvania. Hey, Michael, what's up? Yeah, hi, Tom. Uh, I have a question for you. Maybe you can help me. Sure. Trump, he's fired some uh, pretty great career people over the past couple of years. And the one I wanted to specifically talk about was Andrew McCabe. Uh, he got fired, uh, I think it was one day short of his pension. And yep. uh, is it possible to for Biden to rehire him for a day or two and then requalify him for his pension? It would depend on the civil service laws, because that's the, the system under which he qualifies for the pension. And I don't know the answer to that question. I would guess if the answer to the question is yes that the Biden administration would do that or do something like that. Because, yeah, uh, I would hope uh, so, Andrew yeah. Andrew McCabe has been, a, has been a good guy. But he's still being investigated, too, you know. Andrew McCabe and Jim Comey and Robert Mueller and all these guys are being investigated um, by John Durham. And, and uh, Bill Barr just flipped him over from being a, a prosecutor, federal prosecutor, to being a special counsel so that he his uh, term does not expire at the end of the year. So Biden is going to inherit an investigation into Biden. It's investigating the Obama-Biden administration. 
So it's going to get pretty bizarre. Michael, thank you for the call. It's good to hear from you. Jonathan in Los Angeles. Hey, Jonathan, what's on your mind today? Hi, I just had a comment. Uh, I was listening to radio, and and you were talking about uh, Trump possibly when he gets out, when he gets fired. He's already fired. Go down to Mar-a-Lago and go down to Florida, and then if uh, the state of New York indicts him, then Florida might not expedite him. Well, I I personally think that, and he might be a flight risk to go to another country. I think we ought to just strip him of his passport and his availability to obtain a visa to keep him here in the United States. If he does get... uh, if he does get uh, charged, how are we going to put an ex-president with all his secrets and knowledge of secrets and stuff in prison? We ought to put an ankle bracelet on him, and he should be you know, in the house by 10 o'clock by every night for the rest of his natural-born life. Yeah. And I would put him in a house that has bars on the window. Um, exactly. uh, called a prison. <laughs> I mean, this guy is a li- yeah, literally I, a lifelong grifter I, and, race other- and rapist. Yeah, but one of your other one of your other programs was saying, are we going to have a secret service there beside him for the rest of his life in prison? You know, so yeah, well, you know, that wouldn't be terrible duty, you know, for a secret service officer to just have to kind of hang out with the guards and you know enjoy themselves. I I don't know how much guards enjoy themselves in prison, but um, yeah, (laughs) interesting theory, Jonathan. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that observation. Uh, uh, You know, it's it's a, a good one. To try and figure out, you know, what 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 do we do with this guy? What do you do with a ex a criminal ex president, Debbie in Oakland, California? Hey, Debbie, your thoughts? Um, yeah, um, I got an like an ad on my cell phone yesterday. It said Trump Care, shop our plans. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, first of all, I was like, you know, there is no such thing as Trump Care. And then I started thinking, is this like the first step to them rewriting history? No, well, what it is, is Trump actually, uh, and I don't know if he did this by executive order or if Congress passed this. I, I, I can't imagine it passing the House, so it must have been an executive order. But basically, in the Obamacare plan, in fact, it was an executive order, I remember now. In the Obamacare plan, it says that, that uh, if you lose your health insurance for, if you're within a 90-day window between jobs where you lost your health insurance from one job and you're, you're going to get your health insurance with the next job, Anytime in that 90-day window, you can buy non-compliant plans. You can buy plans that, ha- that, that reserve to the health insurance company the right to kick you off the plan if they discover that you have a pre-existing condition or simply refuse to pay for you if you get seriously sick. In other words, go back to the, the old days, right? And yeah. uh, those plans are a lot cheaper than your normal compliant pl- plans. Well, what, what Trump did was he extended that 90 days out to, as I recall, two years, uh, maybe three years. So now you can buy these uh, cheapo, essentially worthless plans that, that seem like a great bargain, right, um, <clears throat> from, from these insurance companies. I mean, they're out there now. And, and uh, you know, all you have to prove is that you had health insurance in your last job and you don't have it now. And it's very, very unfortunate, Debbie. It's uh, I, I I don't yeah. see it as a as an attempt to, to roll anything back. I see it as the you know just another grift coming out of the Trump administration. Mm, so quite possible. There we go. Yeah, Debbie, thanks a lot for the call. Amazing, another grift coming out of the Trump administration. Who would have thought? Ah! So what should we do with Donald Trump when he leaves the White House after January twentieth? 
What if he wants to flee the country? Do we take away his passport? Kevin in Santa Rosa, California, you've got some information uh, for us about the possibility of Donald Trump going to Florida and Ron DeSantis saying, no, I will not extradite him to New York to stand trial. I will keep him here. Right? Right. So Dennis Banks is the founder of the American Indian Movement. And this is from his obituary in the New York Times. Okay. In uh, 1976, California Governor Jerry Brown granted Dennis Banks asylum and refused to extradite him to South Dakota. And that held until 1983 when a uh, Republican governor uh, took over in California. Wow. Um, You can look it up. No. Actually, I'm not sure who that was. That was, was, uh, no, Jerry Brown. Yeah, no, no, I mean, it was Jerry Brown who said, you can't, uh, I'm not going to extradite him. So not only do state governors have the power to deny extradition to other states, but, and in fact, you know, it wasn't the legislature or federal courts or anything that overturned that. It was just a new governor deciding that that wasn't going to be the policy of the state. Not only do they have that power, but there is a precedent for them using that power that lasted for years. Yes, and it said that... Jerry Brown got a petition with 1.4 million signatures on it supporting Dennis Banks. Wow. Wow. Amazing. So my my fever dream, fever dream is the wrong uh, way to describe this, because um, that's what you want, I think. Um, my my paranoid dream <laughs> that Donald Trump is going to, you know, Christmas time, he's going to go down to Mar-a-Lago. They're refurbishing it right now for his family to live there. That he's going to go down, and they must—they're going to have to rezone it as well if it's going to be a private residence, um, which I'm sure he can handle. But uh, so he's going to go down there, and there's every chance that Ron DeSantis can say no, he's going to stay here, and then it's going to be up to the citizens of Florida to put a Democrat in the governor's mansion in Florida, and then they can extradite Trump back up to New York, where he can stand stand trial for the crimes that Letitia James almost certainly is going to charge him with. Kevin, thank you for that. That's fascinating. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, Thank you. Bye-bye. Yep. Good talking to you. Jessica in Chicago. Hey, Jessica, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. I love your show. and I Yeah, I really do. I 100% disagree with the caller who said no more protests. Protests wake mm-hmm. the people up. I'm emailing Indivisible to help with a funeral procession in front of Mitch McConnell's house. We drop off as many body bags as possible. Mitch McConnell is responsible for everyone dying from this coronavirus, too. He refuses mm-hmm. Any COVID relief, and we need to show him what he is causing by not being humane. Jessica, what you're describing is not so much protest as it is political theater, guerrilla political theater. Uh, you know, I support both protest and political guerrilla theater, and it's the, and that's the one thing that the Republicans got really good at. I mean, the whole Tea Party movement, paid for in large part by the Koch brothers, was basically political guerrilla theater, and all the grandstanding that you know uh, Matt Gates and all those other guys did, and Jim Jordan and whatnot. And the Democrats were never really good at that. We, I mean, we had some groups that were like billionaires for Bush. There was a huge tradition of this back in the 60s and early 70s, you know, in the anti-war movement. Good on you. That is great. I'm so glad to hear that you're uh, you're getting into political theater. God bless you. Terry in Eugene, Oregon. Hey, Terry, what's up? 
You mentioned a couple of days ago, I believe, Kamala Harris could actually take over the Senate. Something to that effect. My ignorance. Well, it'll end up it'll end up before the Supreme Court, almost certainly, because the rules of the Senate, the, the Constitution says that the Senate shall make its own rules. And the rules of the Senate say that absent the president of the Senate, which would be Kamala Harris, um, that, you know, basically the majority party decides everything. And all that power goes to Mitch McConnell. Um, So if Kamala Harris were to come in and say, I'm the president of the Senate, I'm taking over, I'm going to. Now, she can't vote and she can't, you know, propose legislation. But what she could do is she could recognize Democratic senators and invite them to uh, present legislation and then call a vote on that legislation. Um, McConnell has been successful in blocking a lot of legislation, not because there aren't a few Republicans who would, you know, vote for it and it would therefore become law. Um, but because or or because, you know, that's that's the reason he's refusing to bring it up. So there's a number of things if she brought up would probably pass. But the problem is it would be in conflict with the Senate rules. So that would almost certainly go to the Supreme Court because you've got the Constitution defining the Senate rules and you've got the Constitution defining the office of the president of Senate without saying a word what that means. Back to you, Terry. And she and this is my ignorant part. She knows this, right? I mean, could she she's, she's oh, aware yeah. of what you just said. This is not a okay. secret. Do you think she's going to go that route? I doubt it. I, I, you know, and I just doubt it because I think that this administration is going to try and be cautious, at least initially, um, certainly until after the uh, the Georgia results are tallied. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think they're going to do any huge moves uh, that are confrontational with Republicans, at least until the middle of January. After that. And if the Republicans hold, you know, if, if either Loeffler or Purdue gets elected down in Georgia and the Republicans hang on to control of the Senate, you know, it's possible. I mean, it's nowhere near as audacious as what Mitch McConnell did, holding Merrick Garland back for a year. So, you know, it's possible. Terry, thanks a lot for the call. And like I said, it'll go to the Supreme Court. But how quickly they'll rule on it, I have no idea. Paul, Winville, Washington. Hey, Paul, what's up? The issue about uh, the vice president being the president of the Senate. So what I see here, what I've just looked up here, I think this is a Wikipedia. I don't know where I am now. Uh, it says vice president or the president of the Senate shall preside over the daily uh, proceedings of the Senate. Right. Presumably right. that means that means th- the daily proceedings are bringing bills to the floor and so on. And then it says the uh, goes into the president pro tempore is the substitute and is the senior member of the party in the majority shall shall preside in the vice president's absence. So right, what I think Chuck I Rassler see happening right here is, is that since uh, for some number of years, maybe is it back to the 30s, that the the president uh, president pro tempore has yielded to another member now called the majority leader of the Senate. Has basically reassigned his powers or 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 right. designated. And then the majority leader uh, redelegates those powers generally every day to a different senator. So everybody gets a chance to bang the gavel. But Paul, when you look at the Senate rules, and I did. I, I went through this last week. I spent way too much time on this. 
Um, and you go back to, you know, the original debates and everything else. All the Senate rules that refer to, you know, the, the, uh, the president pro tem and the president pro tem being able to delegate, they all start with the sentence, absent the president of the Senate, comma, the, you know, blah, blah. So the Senate rules, I think, to a large extent, support the idea that Kamala Harris could simply walk in and say, hey, I am the president of the Senate. I'm going to run this body. Um, uh, but like I said to the caller earlier, uh, to the extent that the Senate rules are not, I don't, I don't think they clearly say that the vice president, when in a minority, can take over the, the Senate or even in a majority. Um, although it's happened. I mean, you know, during the George Washington administration, John Adams, the vice president, was very active as as president. He presided over the Senate during the during the uh, Adams administration. Jefferson, after that, after the Alien Sedition Act, got so pissed off that he refused to do it for two years. Um, but the, and, the, Tom, the Senate rules are are sub to the Constitution. And so, yes, Kamala Harris is the president of the Senate. So it says right here. Right. But the Constitution also says the, the Senate shall make their own rules. That's true, but both they, the, Senate make, the Senate makes their own. The Senate cannot make the rules and say the vice president is not the. It cannot preside over the daily proceedings. They can't make that I agree rule. With it you. says it in the Constitution. I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. And the question is: so every day will Kamala, six every day conservative justices? Right, the, right, but the question is: Will six conservative justices on the Supreme Court agree with you? Well, I think it's time to find that out. I mean, if, if they, if I agree. If they, if they don't agree. They're going to have to make something up, going to have to yeah. render a ruling, and they're going to have to, by the nature of the Supreme Court, going to have to find something in the Constitution to say, no, that's wrong, because the, yeah. the Supreme Court can only rule on constitutional matters. Yes. Well, no, the Supreme Court can rule on anything they damn well please. They're going to have to find something in the Constitution to say that, it's, that no, that, that's not true. Not necessarily, but I'm assuming that would be the basis of it. This, you know, I think that it's fairly clear. VP as president of the Senate has greater import than the Senate can make its own rules and then has to follow them, basically. And I agree with you that you, you can't make a rule that violates the Constitution. So I think that this would go on Harris's side. question is whether she wants to do it or if she's going to be so involved at the White House she doesn't have time. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. I mean, Biden has made it very clear he's going to be a one-term president, which means she's playing a real big role in this administration. Does she have time to sit over there and play parliamentarian? Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bob in Riverview, Florida says here you're a lawyer and you have thoughts on extradition, getting Trump out of Florida. Yes, Tom. The United States Constitution, Article 4, Section 2, governs extradition. And it makes Mm -hmm. it mandatory that a state be deliver a prisoner to the extraditing state. There's very limited reasons that uh, a person could fight extradition. All the paperwork has to be in order. The person has to actually be charged with a crime in the demanding state. It has to actually be the person who's who's sought. So how did Jerry Brown get away with keeping Russell Means in California for eight years or nine years or whatever it was? I believe that was similar to the Dennis Banks case in San Francisco. Oh, Dennis Banks is what I'm talking about. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes. Okay. Uh, Dennis Banks was, I believe he was an American Indian. And there were many other issues involved. Yeah, the sovereign uh, nation that he belonged to, and it probably Ah. had grounds. But a a regular U.S. citizen like a Donald Trump who tries to hide out in Florida, uh, DeSantis wouldn't be able to save him. That's fascinating. Yeah, I just read it. You're absolutely right. A person charged in any state with a crime who shall flee from justice, the executive authority of the state from which he fled, he shall be delivered up to be removed to the state having jurisdiction of the crime. Wow. Thank you, Bob. I learn something every day. Bob, thank you very much. There is no extradition from Russia, however. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. Bob, thank you. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Mike in Altoona. I would gladly sign a petition to uh, get Donald Trump out of the state. But unfortunately, I'm seeing as many or more Trump flags in this very red county of Lake County, Mm. right next to the National Forest. Lots of guns. So that's the status quo here. Yeah, that's pretty bizarre. Thank you for the uh, report. <laughs> you know, it'll be interesting. I mean, call in in a couple of weeks. Let's see if this thing fizzles out or if it, if it gets ramped up. Now that Trump has raised $170 million since the election that he can use to really crank up his base and, and buy lots and lots and lots of Facebook ads and all that kind of stuff. God only knows where this thing is going to go. Mike, thanks for the call. It's great to hear from you. David in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hey, David, what's on your mind today? Hello, Tom. When you were kind of going down a list of Donald Trump's crimes, I was thinking, you know, one of the tools that he used was kind of Engel, Richard Engel, on the Panama Papers, right? And I was stationed in Panama. It never looked like that when I was there, mm-hmm. Panama City. But they used offshore banking. And Angela Merkel has issued a criminal warrant for the people who ran and I think Joe Biden needs to do, you know, come in agreement with her, and we need mm-hmm. to expose 
offshore banking. I mean, human trafficking, forced prostitution, drugs. I mean, who's got money there? And I think it will yeah. explain a lot of what's going on in politics. Well, and who's got who's got money that's been laundered through Trump real estate? I mean, that is the huge question in my mind. And, you know, is it just your run-of-the-mill autocrat who's been ripping off his government and his people, you know, converting tax dollars to personal use? Or is it drug lords? Or, you know, is it the mob? I mean, you know, who is it that Donald Trump is laundering money for? Right. I think this will expose a lot of inconsistency and criminal exposure. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that, uh, you know, when Trump leaves office uh, on January 20th, the two or three months after he leaves office, and in particular the first few weeks, are going to be absolutely fascinating because we're going to be hearing reports about all the stuff that has been destroyed, right? Hey, we got into the office and we expected to find transcripts of Trump's conversations with Putin, or we expected to find transcripts of uh, Jared's conversations with Mohammed bin Salman, but all that stuff was shredded and all the servers have been wiped. And, you know, all that stuff that they all hysterically, you know, uh, went after Hillary Clinton for when she just took her personal emails out of all the business ones that, that were subpoenaed. They're going to go nuts, nuts with this stuff. Excuse me, David. David, thanks a lot for the call. Amazing. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Colin in Kirkland, Washington. Hey, Colin, what's on your mind today? Thank you for taking my call. Regarding your discussion about Trump escaping down to Florida to hopefully avoid extradition, I believe mm-hmm. another caller mentioned or brought up the issue of interstate extradition. Actually, I think what's more likely to happen is that uh, he's going to escape down to Brazil. Oh, with Jair Bolsonaro. Exactly. Bolsonaro, he is a Trump worshiper. He's a COVID denier. He's a climate change denier. Yeah. You know, the upper ruling class in Brazil, they're white enough that Trump can accept them. Russia is too cold for but, Trump. But Brazil is is not a, a particularly wealthy country. I mean, if he wants to live in luxury, I, mean, I realize you can do that in Brazil, but... The status attached to it is nothing compared to, for example, moving to Moscow and building Trump Tower while he's there and saying, I'm here, I've got to supervise this construction. You know, that kind well, of thing. Go ahead. Yeah, well, you know, Trump, he could take two, you know, $200 million down to Brazil and he would live like a king for the rest of his life, not to mention Ivanka. And, well, I'm not sure if he would take those other two. But, yeah, no, I, it could possibly even only be a temporary thing. But I really mm-hmm. don't see him going to Russia because Putin and the Russian oligarchs, they would not worship Trump like Bolsonaro does. Same in Turkey. I don't see anybody in Turkey, you know, stroking his ego with, you know, his constant desire for worship. So what about Saudi Arabia or the UAE? I mean, he's giving all these weapons to the UAE right now. I figured this was payback for, you know, their sovereign wealth fund helping Jared Kushner get a billion dollars to keep from losing his uh, 666 Fifth Avenue property in Manhattan. But, you know, maybe it was more like, hey, we'll sell him weapons because I'm going to move there. No, I think with Saudi Arabia and the UAE, I think for Trump, those people, they are too brown. And they also, they would not worship him. Oh, and I think, Yeah, well, there you go. But no, I think down in Brazil, I think, you know, even if it's only for a short while, I think that's where Trump's going to go. So I, long story short, I think what you were talking about, Trump running down to Mar-a-Lago, 
sometime around Christmas. I think over the next couple of weeks, there ought to be some people paying attention to whether or not there's going to be a luxury yacht moored close mm-hmm. to Mar-a-Lago. And also keep in mind, Trump oh, You mean then he could head out to international waters? Well, he could head to international waters, and you also have to understand maritime laws where... Uh, country's sovereignty extends 12 nautical miles beyond the land, and Brazil doesn't have an extradition treaty with the United States. Amazing, amazing. Well, it's a good topic for a betting pool, you know, <laughs> which country is Trump going to flee to, or will Ron DeSantis try to help him, or will he, you know, take a yacht into the international waters? Amazing stuff. Colin, thank you. So I'm thinking that the main reason Donald Trump has just raised $170 million. I just got another fundraising email from him just a few minutes ago. Let me just read this to you. This is nuts. It comes from official Trump polling, which is, you know, kind of crazy. Yeah, at the very top, it's got the Trump official Trump polling logo. It says, Fred, President Trump is requesting your input. A recent poll from Newsmax shows that the majority of Americans do not think the president should concede to Joe Biden. Should President Trump concede to Joe Biden? No. 190,593 votes, which is 98.9%. Yes. Only 2,181 votes, 1.1%. For the good of our country, President Trump must prevail. We know the Democrats will never admit that America does not want Joe Biden in the White House, which is why we're coming straight to you for critical input on our one-question poll. With your help, we'll show the left that real Americans want four more years of our president. Then you click on the link and it takes you to this one page thing that says, you know, should he concede yes or no? And the only way you can vote is by giving them your name, your first and last name, your email address and your cell phone number. And once you've done all that, then you get directed to a page where they ask you for more money. I mean, this is like this is a grift to end all grifts. There's a, a piece that was on Raw Story a day or two ago by Amanda Marcotte. Actually, it started on Salon, and it's titled, Here's the Real Reason Trump Won't Give Up. And she says, uh, a lot of this is about money. Trump's voting base is a sea of suckers. He and the various grifters who make up most of the right-wing media are eager to drain those suckers dry. And stoking anger is, by all appearances, a cash bonanza. Over at the New York Times, Ben Smith interviewed Chris Ruddy, the CEO of Newsmax. You know, well, again, quoting Amanda, Ruddy claimed he's justified in spreading misinformation for cash, insisting to Smith that the rest of the media also hypes lies and BS to make money. And when he said, well, tell me something that the mass media, the, the, the mainstream media in America is hyping just to make money, that's not true. And he said, oh, the Russia hoax. Ah! Back to Amanda. What we're seeing right now is, quote, a hive of right wing grifters blitzing their followers by email, demanding they turn over their grandkids college fund to this effort to overturn the election results. Charlie Kirk, Alex Jones, Candace Owens and many other right wing parasites are hammering their list of subscribers and supporters with pitches like and these are from the actual pitches from these people, quote, will you help me fight with President Trump and ensure only legal votes are counted? Rush twenty five dollars right here or. Another thing is clear, the fraud was happening everywhere, and there's a lot more of it that still needs to be exposed, all for the low, low price of $25 or more. And of course, you know, as Amanda points out, Trump is the biggest grifter of them all. It's, it's just absolutely breathtaking what is going on here. 
I was thinking of, uh, you know, when I got that email and I clicked on the link to see the page and see, you know, what new grift does Trump have now? Because for the last four or five days, it's it's been literally 10 or 12 emails a day saying, it's the end of the month. You got to help us. We're up again. You know, this is the urgent moment. So I clicked on it and there it was. You know, should Trump uh, acknowledge Biden winning the election? It, it didn't say it that way. It said it, you know, sleazy. Yes or no. And then, you know, what's your first name, your last name, your email address, your zip code and your cell phone number? All the wonderful stuff that they would need to just start doing identity theft, if nothing else. And I'm like, oh, my God, Donald Trump wants all of this. So I didn't post it on Twitter because I don't think that it's a wise idea for people to do that. Uh, when I got on Trump's mailing list, all I had to give him was my name and address, you know, and five bucks. And that was back in 2015. That was during the primary when he was starting to shake up the Republican Party there. And, you know, I did the same for a few other candidates, both on the Democratic and Republican side, just to get on their mailing list. But Trump's mailing list is shocking. It is nothing but appeals for money and outright statements that are false. You know, we we all know Donald Trump won the election. Give us $25 to help us prove it. You know, is the basic essence of it. We are watching a grifter, a professional, lifelong grifter, from a family of grifters, his father was a grifter, and with, you know, three kids who are grifters, we are watching the last act of a four or a five-year grift. You know, keep in mind, Donald Trump started his campaign for presidency to try to get more money out of NBC for Celebrity Apprentice. He was all upset that Gwen Stefani was getting more money than he was. So he ran a con on NBC and ended up president of the United States. He's figured out a way to monetize that. Over $130 million that we know of, of taxpayer dollars, have gone directly into Donald Trump's pockets via his hotels and properties, golf courses where he has to bring the Secret Service and everybody. It's mind-boggling. And what's the next chapter going to be? listening to the Tom Hartman Program. What new grift is Donald Trump going to have? I predict it's going to be perpetual candidate Trump, you know, constantly squeezing more and more money out of the elderly supporters of his. Kirk in Lakeland, Florida. Hey, Kirk, what's on your mind? Thanks for listening to WMNF. Yes, thank you, Tom. I was just really pondering the question of Trump's value in a foreign country to begin with. I just want to say this. He's no Snowden. Snowden had some potential value and continuing value as he as an asset. But, you know, Trump inside of a foreign country, and I don't care what foreign country that is, he doesn't bring a lot of value, doesn't have a lot of leverage in, a, in another country. So what's he going to do for Bolsonaro? Is he going to sell real estate stakes or water down there? That, so anyway, that's, that's my question. It seems like he, it just in bringing him into a foreign country would be more headache than it would be worth. I think that countries that view themselves as potential military adversaries with the United States, which would largely be China and Russia, but let's not forget that Saudi Arabia apparently was, or at least, I can't say Saudi Arabia was apparently involved with 9-11, but Saudi Arabians perpetrated 9-11, so maybe Saudi Arabia as well, would love to get hold of, you know, our military secrets. How does the nuclear system work? Uh, You know, what is the delay on the launch codes? How do you make the decision? Who's in the chain of command for this? In fact, I wonder how much of this they're going to change after Trump leaves office, because he could potentially sell this information, just like in the first weeks after he became president, he invited Kislyak and 
Lavrov, Dmitry Lavrov, he invited them into the Oval Office. They released the pictures. We would never have known of the meeting if, if the Russians hadn't released the pictures. And in that meeting, he revealed to them one of Israel's top secrets, you know, who their agent was in this particular situation. And, you know, he was, it was payback for helping him become president, in my opinion. I doubt there's any transcript of that, but, but I, you know, it seems to me like they would welcome him. We've, we've been, we should turn this into some sort of a, maybe not a contest, but, you know, who's going to, who's going to speculate correctly? I'm thinking Trump is going to say, okay, I've got to, you know, if he doesn't get a media deal here in the United States, and it looks like he is going to get prosecuted, and I think those are both likely. I think that he will probably move to Moscow and say, I've got to supervise the construction of the Trump Tower. We've got a billion dollar program here and one of the Russian banks is financing it and, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that's my bet. We had an earlier caller who said he thought it was going to be Brazil because Bolsonaro is a, a Trumpy. I'm not so sure of that. I think Bolsonaro is a Trump imitator. But, you know, who knows? Where do you think he would end up, Kirk? You know, he's no stable genius. And so the idea that, again, that he retains any of this information or anything else, it's it's all the people behind him that have been really pulling those levers to get power. And, and I understand once you, he leaves office and goes to a foreign country, how he could be manipulated. But it's really those people behind him that were the brains behind uh, a lot of what happened. And so I just don't think that Trump and, and uh, you know, his kids uh, alone are a valuable asset, you know. Yeah, yeah. Jared Kushner, we could argue about that. Yes, uh, especially in Saudi Arabia. But agreed on some points. But I just think that, again, I just think that's a spoiled brand that people don't want. And that, yeah, he may represent a fractionated portion of the country. But to an earlier caller's point, I live in central Florida. And, you know, what I've seen over the past couple of weeks is less Trump signage and less Confederate flags. And so I think people, you know, I think people are cautiously moving forward. And listen, I you think he's going to fade away that, like the Tea Party did. Listen, that would yeah. absolutely, absolutely be my hope. Yeah. Kirk, yeah. I got to move along, but thank you. Thank you for your vote on this, as it were. Wayne in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Hey, Wayne, what's on your mind today? Yes, Tom, how you doing? An observation about the guy before about the uh, Trump signs. I live in South Florida, and they're gone. Mm-hmm. The flag. Yeah. The well, the election's over, too, though. Yeah, but they're gone. Last last election in 2016, they ran them things for months. I'd like mm. to make an observation about Nancy Pelosi meeting with Mnuchin. The number one mm-hmm. rule of sales is you don't have a sales call unless you have somebody there who's a decision maker. Mnuchin right. is not the decision maker. Nancy Pelosi oh. is wasting her time. Actually, I think he probably is. I don't think Trump understands how this uh, how this financial stuff works. Mitch McConnell is not going to let anything go through the Senate. And Nancy Pelosi needs to stop wasting her time with Mnuchin. Just my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're saying I was thinking you were saying Donald Trump was in charge. What you're saying is that Mitch McConnell's in charge. That makes perfect sense. Mitch McConnell's in charge. Meeting with Mnuchin is a waste of Nancy Pelosi's time. Yeah. Yep. Wayne, thank you very much. Uh, well said. Jay in Chicago. Hey, Jay, what's up? Tom, first time caller, follow up questions to a previous call on extradition clause. If mm-hmm. a person on the land from one state has to be returned, are not the fugitive slave laws still in effect? How does that impact the so-called sanctuary city protections? 
And what do you think the jurists on the Supreme Court who consider themselves originalists to be thinking on this matter? (laughs) That's a, you know, originalism is such a scam. But uh, the fugitive slave, there was, you know, a piece of legislation called the Fugitive Slave Act, which has since been repealed. But the other thing that's interesting is that, yeah, it has. The other thing that was interesting is the third paragraph of Article Mm -hmm. 4, Section 2 of the Constitution. This has been repealed, too. And this was repealed Mm -hmm. by either the 13th or 14th Amendment. No person, but this is what it originally read. No person held to service or labor in one state under the laws thereof, escaping into another. And, of course, they're talking about enslaved persons. Shall, in consequence of any law or regulation therein, be discharged from such service or labor, but shall be delivered up on claim of the party to whom such service or labor may be due. So, uh, I don't know. It's good. It's like I said. It's going to think be about this. Think about this, surely. If this, the original reason was to bring my people back for you know whatever. In the modern sense, today we have people who could be considered fugitives just by crossing the border from Mexico to Arizona, or just by going yeah. between states. So, in effect, the slave laws are still de facto. They've been reinvented, basically. I mean, a lot of the institutions of slavery just later became the institutions of Jim Crow. You know, the plantations were turned into prisons. Laws were passed that made minor infractions of the law, things that you would go to jail for two, three, four, five years for. I'm literally things like jaywalking, spitting on the sidewalk. And they would arrest black people all over the South for those things and throw them in prison for four or five years just to get the free labor. What do you think about the president? Re-enslaved. What do you think about the president's Supreme Court rulings where they thought they were going to go? Are they being as extreme as you thought? Yes. Well, this this Mm -hmm. last ruling, the public health is not as important as religion. That's nuts. Go back to 1793, there was a yellow fever epidemic in Philadelphia. And right. it recurred a couple of times. And in the in the recurrence that happened in 1797 or maybe 98, it was 98. a couple of years before. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think 1798 in that mm-hmm. yellow fever epidemic in Philadelphia, the government actually and Philadelphia at the time was this was the I believe was the capital of the United States. The government actually ordered certain blocks of the city to be evacuated. I mean, this is mm-hmm. more than mask mandates. And all of the people who wrote the Constitution were still alive. And nobody said, hey, this is you're trampling our freedom. You know, so, you know, it's just it's just crazy stuff. You know what these guys are promoting, Jay. It's just nuts. And their exploitation of race as a part of it is despicable. Jay, I got to run. But thank you for the call. Thanks for being a first time caller. It's great to hear from you. Oh, it's the end of the show. (laughs) I was ready to do another hour. Thanks so much for being with us today. It's a fascinating time to be alive, isn't it? Try to get outside and, and look up at the sky and, uh, or whatever it is that turns you on the trees and, and try to experience a little awe today. Awe, A-W-E, awe is such an important thing to have in your life every single day. We are alive. It's a miracle. Get out there, get active, tag, you're it. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.